Hello and welcome to NC State's Audio Abstract. I'm your host, Tracy Peak. Springtime marks the emergence of not just flowering plants, but also animals, including snakes. And North Carolina is host to a number of snake species, some that can be hazardous to humans. We're speaking today with Chris DiPerno, a professor of fisheries, wildlife, and conservation biology, about which species of snakes are common to our state and how to successfully coexist with them. Welcome, Chris. Hey, Tracy. Thanks for having me. All right, let's start by talking about the different species of snakes in North Carolina. How many species of snakes live here, and of those, how many are actually dangerous to people? So, yes, there are 38 species of snakes that reside in North Carolina, quite a bit of biological diversity. Only six of those are venomous to people, and those include the eastern coral snake, the copperhead, which everyone's familiar with, cottonmouth, eastern diamondback rattlesnake, we have the timber rattlesnake and the pygmy rattlesnake. Now, it's important to understand that the distribution of these snakes vary throughout the state. So you're not going to have all these venomous species wherever you live. Uh, for example, the eastern coral snake is present only in the southeastern corner of North Carolina, whereas the copperhead is pretty ubiquitous and is most, you know, and occurs across the state. And it is the most common venomous snake. Importantly, we do have some snake species that do receive protection under the state's endangered wildlife laws. And uh, for instance, we have a couple threatened species, the southern hognose snake, the pine snake. The endangered species are the eastern diamondback rattlesnake and the eastern coral snake. And species of special concern include the black swamp snake, the timber rattlesnake, and the pygmy rattlesnake. But most of the snake species in North Carolina are non-venomous. They're usually associated with downwoody debris, and uh, they're completely harmless. This podcast is going to go up in April, which is when warm weather really gets here to stay. So what can you tell us about the snakes of North Carolina? Do they hibernate? Are we going to see more snake activity as the weather gets warmer? You know, when is sort of peak snake emergence time for the state? So first, snakes don't actually hibernate. What they do is they just become less active during the cold weather. So this is normally around October-ish or so in North Carolina. It's actually called brumation. Brumation is basically a slowing down of the individual's metabolism. They're actually awake. They're just lethargic. And you don't really see them moving around. So they're actually reacting just to the cold weather. Remember, they're reptiles, so they're ectothermic. That means they raise their body temperature by searching out warm areas like the sun, laying in roads, and they can also cool themselves off by looking, looking for and searching for areas that use cover and shade. So their body temperature actually changes to the temperature of the surroundings. So what we see in North Carolina are warmer days in the fall, winter, spring, these brumating snakes actually come out to take advantage of that, you know, to bask in the sunshine, right? So just like humans, snakes head out to enjoy the sun, and usually it's around 60 degrees Fahrenheit or greater. When the weather does warm up, you can expect to see snakes. They're going to be coming out. All right, so after they've been brumating, you know, sometimes you hear that they're more venomous when you first encounter them in the spring or summer. Um, 
do they even store up venom like that or is that just silly because they only have sort of set amounts of venom at any given time that's silly right their morphology is designed that they they have their venom sacks and they you know they have venom and that's it they they don't store it up and carry it around with them so yes so you know a lot of people like to think that venomous snakes are more dangerous right when they come out of brumation right and that's a myth it's not true right uh, the weather's warming up, we get outside, they get outside, and there's this interaction. But the point is that they're not more dangerous when they emerge from brumation. Right. And on a related note, the thing that you hear about little baby snakes, uh, if that's even the correct term, baby snakes, they can be more venomous than adults. Is there any truth to that? So this myth is that young snakes have not... I guess, learned how to control the amount of venom they inject, right? So they're more dangerous than adult snakes. That's a false premise, right? So if we think about this, we got to think about it maybe evolutionarily, right? So if we want to make the assumption that snakes are able to control the amount of venom they inject, there is not evidence that suggests that venom discharge is actually controlled by any decision. What would be the benefit of that in the wild? So any snake bite can vary greatly in the amount of venom that's injected, right? So it's possible to receive a worse bite from a juvenile snake than from adult on a certain day and maybe vice versa on the next day, right? So there's no consistency in the research. Second, let's think about this. There has to be some advantage or disadvantage for a snake to inject all or some of its venom. If a snake does release all its venom when it bites you or bites a prey item, then it's left itself maybe defenseless against predators. Because remember, snakes are predators, but they're also prey. And remember, young, especially with copperheads, they're born live. They don't require maternal care. So they're just, they're ready to roll. They're ready to move across the landscape. So they're operating just like adults. Number three, I think, is learning. What are the advantages and disadvantages? We'd have to assume that the snake is going to learn throughout its life. When does a young snake, a juvenile snake, have time to learn? It's really unlikely that learning occurs, especially enough learning that it leads to some evolutionary response in these juvenile snakes. And I think the last thing is, if you think about full envenomation, if you have an adult copperhead and a juvenile, the amount of venom is quite a bit different. So why would we assume that the juvenile snakes are gonna be more deadly? I think adult snakes are as dangerous or more dangerous than a young snake. They have more venom, they're larger. So, you know, in summary, I know that was a long answer, but, um, it's very, very unlikely that this legend is true. It just doesn't make biological sense. It uh, doesn't make evolutionary sense. And there's really no evidence to suggest it's true. I don't know where these myths start, but we hear them all the time. Our recommendation is to don't mess with venomous snakes, no matter what size or age. As long as you can correctly identify them, that's the key. Just give them a wide berth. They'll do their thing. You do your thing. Copperheads are very docile. 
I've seen them in my backyard. I look at them. I give them a wide berth. I walk away. I come back later. They're gone. They're doing their thing. I'm doing my thing. There's no need to kill them. In fact, we highly rec uh, don't recommend that. Um, they serve an extremely important role in the ecosystem. They eat a lot of rodents and other snakes eat them. So, you know, just respect all snakes, respect the role in the, the ecological community and just leave them alone. You know, I think a lot of what makes people nervous about snakes is the inability to correctly identify them. You know, I'm not comfortable identifying snakes. So what resources or tips can you give people if you see a snake in your backyard before you freak out and assume it's there to kill you, how can you figure out which snakes are venomous and which aren't without having to really get right up on it? Yeah, I think this answers, to me, it's fairly logical. Everyone has a phone these days with a camera and they take pretty good pictures. I would recommend anyone that comes across a snake that they're not sure of, you know, take a picture from distance. There are plenty of resources out there. Here at NC State University in the Fisheries Wildlife Conservation Biology Program, we teamed up with the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission, and we put together a wonderful and very nice, you know, 21-page glossy book on snake identification. It just was published a few months ago. There are tons of resources out there on snake identification. There are Facebook and social media groups that will help you identify them. So I get a lot of emails from people that say, what is this snake? They've already killed it. And then they send me a picture and I've got to tell them, you just killed a non-venomous snake that's very beneficial to the, to the environment. So I think a lot of this falls on the public to do a little bit of legwork and educate themselves. They also have to understand that they're living with these animals and they have to show them the respect um, that they are so due. I think there's a lot of personal responsibility, but there are tons and tons and tons of resources available on the web through uh, outreach groups such as myself and uh, professors and other universities. So the information exists. Most people encounter snakes accidentally. That's why they freak out. Are there certain times of day that we should maybe be a little bit more aware of our surroundings um, if we're going into an area that's got a lot of woody debris? And related to that, where are we more likely to encounter a snake? Oh, well, so yeah, that's a complicated question as well. So it really depends on the species, right? In North Carolina, we have a, uh, quite a bit of a, a diversity with our, our snake species. We have diurnal snakes. We have nocturnal snakes. Their diets vary as well. Uh, some, some snake species primarily focus on eating rodents. Others eat um, eggs and birds. Others consume amphibians, reptiles, fish, insects, spiders, uh, other snakes, earthworms, uh, invertebrates. So we have a lot of diversity and we have a lot of variation. So we have nocturnal, diurnal, and a lot of food variation. So um, because of that, you can encounter snakes all the time, right? I see black racers in my yard and uh, red-bellied water snakes. I see them out during the day. I've seen copperheads in the day. I've seen copperheads at night. So really it's about what snakes 
where they occur, right? So let's take your home. Human dwellings provide warmth, shelter, and that's why we stay there. For a snake, it's going to provide warmth, shelter, prey, water. So there's certain characteristics that may make your property um, really attractive to snakes. So they like hiding places, down wood, right? Rock piles, old cars out in the back 40, other debris, um, piles of wood, piles of metal, piles of plastic. All of those could be really nice places for snakes to occur. So I know that when I'm in my backyard and moving around, I've got wood stacked up, I've got rock piles. I know that those are probably likely areas where snakes might be. I also know that when I'm working in my garden, we know that most of the snake species in North Carolina are tied to down woody debris. There's a lot of snakes that you'll find commonly in your gardens. Um, the Kay's brown snake, I mean, so you, you see these uh, uh, quite often. They'll use openings and, and rocks and bricks and, you know, so if you want to reduce some of these snake encounters, maybe you should minimize some of these structures. So if you've got a you know, a wood pile snacked up against your house and you commonly see snakes there, well, guess what? You're going to commonly see snakes there because that's a nice place for them. So the best way to discourage snakes, I would think, it, you know, is to maybe address my what might be attracting them. These things will be attracted to where food is. So if you have a lot of rodents under your crawl space, you're probably gonna have snakes, right? So eliminating some of those prey sources will kind of force those snakes, you know, away from you. So, and also proper home maintenance, you know, maybe sealing off small openings or cracks, you know, make it a little bit more difficult for these things to get into your buildings. You know, really, Removing items that provide shelter or prey will help move snakes away from your property. Commercial snake spell, uh, repellents exist, but they really haven't been scientifically evaluated. Yeah, I can't imagine it would be worthwhile to do that when the other stuff is just basic best practices with home and lawn maintenance. You don't want to attract a bunch of mice to live in your crawl space either. That presents its own problems. Yeah, I just know whenever I'm outside in, in the area that I live, I can encounter a snake at any time of the year, um, any time of the day or night. So I'm just always kind of thinking about it. Yeah, that's probably good advice for other people as well. So they won't be so surprised when it does occur. And so on kind of a lighter note, do you have a favorite snake species or snake? I really don't. Um, I really don't. You know, I just, I appreciate um, all their role in the ecosystem. I mean, there's some, you know, some really pretty and gorgeous snakes. I mean, gosh, um, you know, I have these red, a red bellied water snake that hangs around my seat every year. It's, it's, it's pretty big. Um, that's kind of a really cool looking snake. You know, you have ring neck snakes. They're really pretty. I like copperheads as well. Cause I think they're misunderstood. Um, but, you know, I, I, I really don't have a favorite. I just I appreciate uh, I just appreciate them for what they are. What is your favorite snake fact or the coolest thing that you know about snakes? Well, there's a few things. You know, um, king snakes eat venomous snakes, so I think that's pretty cool. I also, one of the, one thing is, is there's 3,600 known species of snakes in the world, approximately. So there's, you know, there's pretty good diversity. 
But interesting, there's only about 400, uh, maybe a little bit more. I mean, this is, you know, the numbers are all over the place, but, um, or so species of venomous snakes. So the vast majority of snakes we encounter are non-venomous. You just have to educate yourself. And only a small percentage of those uh, are actually harmful to humans. So I think they've been vilified unfairly. I mean, for a lot of reasons. Um, so I think I'd tell people to keep everything in perspective. We've been speaking today with Chris DiPerno, a professor of fisheries, wildlife, and conservation biology here at NC State. This has been Audio Abstract. I'm your host, Tracy Peake. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.